Hello and welcome to the Marriage Professors Podcast. I am so excited that you have joined me for yet another episode. And I know it's been a little while since you heard from me, but I promise that it won't be that long until the next time. So thank you so much for joining me um, for this episode where we are going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of reconciliation. If you have been underneath a rock, that's probably the only way you haven't seen a lot of high-profile couples who, you know, decided to call it quits. And, you know, I am the marriage professor, and it is just my desire to utilize education to help people have the most uplifting um, marriages and relationships and families that they can possibly have. So it all it always kind of touches my heart or or grieves my heart and my spirit to, you know, see these couples go through this difficult time. But just as a reminder, you know, the Marriage Professors podcast is really a three-pronged approach. If you don't know, I am a professor (laughs) Um, by profession. I teach psychology at the University of West Georgia. Um, But also, too, I just bring everything that I think is helpful because I'm a marriage counselor as well. So I love to have those practical elements. And then at the end of the day, I am a believer. So I love to also provide biblical insights as well. So that's kind of like my three-pronged approach, having that research-based information um, as well as practical information and biblical insight. And so on today in talking about, you know, the nuts and bolts of uh, reconciliation, I really kind of want to look at it from a biblical perspective. And so You know, when we think about reconciliation, so for today's podcast as an overview, what we're going to talk about is, first, I also want to talk about some startling statistics when it comes to marriage and divorce in the United States. So we're going to go into that, looking at a little bit of census data to give us an understanding of the landscape um, out there when it comes to marriage and divorce in the United States. And family, here is the thing, is that even if you love the Lord, it doesn't make you immune to trouble, right? And so, you know, this is true for all couples, regardless of their religious affiliation. So we're going to look at that census data. And then we're also going to look at, well, what is reconciliation by very definition? And then I'm going to discuss nine powerful and yet practical steps that you can utilize to really create this reconciliation process. Um, Because here's the thing, whether it's a big issue or whether it's a small issue, I just want to normalize the fact that conflict is inevitable in a relationship, all right? Um, But here's what's so beautiful um, about kind of that restoration reconciliation process is that all couples go through conflict, but those couples who seem to be more satisfied and happier in their relationships 
what we see um, is that they have an effective way to repair. And after today's podcast, family, I want to make sure that you have some practical steps that you can take to repair because we're human. We fall sometimes. We get wounded, right? We, we may wound other people, but if we can have a strategy to heal, we can come through that thing even closer together Um, and not just closer together, but closer to God, who is the only one who can help us show up as our best selves. And then lastly, if you want to dig a little bit more deeply than what I provide in this podcast, then I will also um, share an opportunity um, with you guys there for that. Okay, so who's ready? Let's go ahead and dive on in. So class. I'm so used to saying class because I teach so much, right? So here's the thing. What do you think? When it comes to the divorce rate in the United States, do you think that it has decreased or do you think it has declined? Okay, I'm going to give you a second just to think about that. All right. Well, here are the facts, family. Based on U.S. Census data, Looking from 2009 to 2019, what they have found is that the divorce rate has decreased. Hmm. I know that might be surprising, but yes, the divorce rate within the United States has declined by 21% um, from 2009 to 2019. Okay. So, that's encouraging, right? Oh my gosh, you don't hear that a lot, especially when we're thinking about all of these high profile couples who are getting divorced. Sometimes it makes you think, well, goodness, is everybody getting divorced? All right. So, but not only that, I also want to give you guys a little bit of information with respect to the marriage rate. And this is not as encouraging. All right. So what we do see is that the marriage rate is decreasing. And it's, it's decreasing at a higher rate than even the divorce rate. So what we see is that there, from 2009 to 2019, according to U.S. Census data, the marriage rate within the United States has decreased by 45%. Is that surprising? So what we're seeing is that on average, people are less likely to get married um, in contemporary America in comparison to times past, okay? And, you know, of course, I am an advocate for marriages, healthy marriages and relationships in particular, um, because there are amazing um, positive implications that stem from people being involved in a healthy marriage, you know, especially outcomes for children, the community, the kingdom. There are so many positive benefits. So, and interestingly, so what we are seeing as well is that um, historically, maybe like, you know, the 60s, 70s, uh, 50s, People were most likely to get married at one point in their life, at least once. But that dynamic and that trend is changing such that many people will forego marriage throughout their entire lifetime. But, you know, I always 
want to put this caveat out there is that of course marriage is not for everyone it's not it's not even a desire for everyone and i understand that um you know but here's the thing is that close loving relationships they matter for our health as well as our longevity okay and for a lot of people that's going to be within the context of a loving marriage um so you know if one outlet for that to happen in one's lifetime people are less likely to enter into that um arrangement what what will that mean for health and well-being long term i'm not sure because i haven't followed the data we will have to see how this unfolds prospectively you know so all of that's going to be very interesting and you know i always harp on that um longitudinal study by harvard the 70 it's probably in their 77th year by now um looking at what predicts health and longevity across the lifespan as well as happiness and pretty much above anything else is close loving relationships so these things matter. Now that can be experienced in the context of a friendship, sibling relationship, marriage, but for a lot of people it's in the context of a marriage. All right, I'm off my soapbox now. I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to kind of put, you know, give you an understanding of the marital landscape out there and as, and as well as the separation and divorce landscape out there so that you kind of, you know, know what I'm talk what um where I'm kind of coming from, but here's the thing. I, you know, I'm a counselor as well, marriage counselor in particular, is that some things you got to fight for. And, you know, and that's what this whole podcast today is all about. It's all about that healing, restoration, and reconciliation process. And, you know, I'm a counselor, and a lot of times people, they ask me, they think that their situation is too far gone, and they ask me that sometimes. They say, you know, are we too far gone? Is this, is this beyond repair? And here's the thing, is that... It's not for me as an outsider to determine that. It's for the people involved. But I believe that if you're willing to fight and you're willing to get in there and change yourself and do the work and then add a little bit of Jesus in there, hey, <laughs> you know, then nothing is impossible, not even the health and the restoration of one's marriage. So let's go ahead and take a deep dive in looking at. <clears throat> exactly what the um, reconciliation process is. So what does it mean to reconcile by very definition? All right. So by very definition, the word reconcile means to cause uh, a person to accept or be resigned to something that it may not have been desired. So your marriage may have hit something that you didn't want to happen. They, they, I wish, honestly, this is what I wish. All right. I wish that when people got married, that they would say that, I know you love your spouse, but your spouse may do something to offend you or hurt you because they're human and, and vice versa. You may do something to unintentionally or sometimes, you know, but hopefully unintentionally, you know, hurt your partner, but hurts don't have to end there. 
hurts can lead to healing and a strength that is even deeper and more powerful than what that was there before. Now, here is a piece of the definition of reconcile that I absolutely love. <laughs> and it is to bring into agreement our harmony. Mm. You know, harmony is like, you know, a lot of times people say balance, but harmony is like, is not in unison. So your partner, your spouse is going to be different from you. They're going to, they're going to emit a different sound than you. And your sound is going to be different from them. But how can those differences not cause, you know, a wedlock or, or, or a combat? But how can we put those two different sounds together to sing in harmony, to dance in harmony, and to have your differences work for the overall well-being of the whole and the culture? That's what reconciling is about. Getting to that point, letting some things go that you didn't want to happen right? But we got to kind of let that thing go. And because when we hold on to it, it creates a ripe environment for bitterness and resentment. And honestly, we cannot show up as our best selves when we're operating in that place. Um, But I absolutely love that piece of it where it says to bring into agreement our harmony, to make compatible or consistent Oh, it even says to reconcile differing statements, (laughs) reconcile accounts, because some of us, we got our long list, (laughs) kind of we keeping a real good account record of some of those offenses. But sometimes we got to resign those things and let it go, because holding on to it is not going to be helpful for you as an individual or the overall collective um, culture of the marriage. Now, there's another piece of the reconciled definition that I absolutely adore. And it says to win over to friendliness. Mm. And I don't know, maybe this is a, you know, an episode that really resonates with you. And I don't know if you're in a position in your relationship where you feel like, I don't know if we'll ever get to that place. Mm, I tell you, when you resign to some things and you you get to where you can forgive and you fight for that friendliness and you and you work and you do your internal work and your internal healing, you can get to this place to where you win over your marriage, your spouse to a state of friendliness to because um, to become amicable. And, you know, one of the easiest ways to show love is to give kindness. Mm. But I know a lot of times when we've been hurt, it's almost like that's the last thing we want to give, you know. But, you know, when we give that kindness, we are starting to win our partners over to friendliness. It's hard, you know, to be Um, mean and surly to someone who's actually being kind and it coming from a genuine place. And come on now, you know, a lot of this sounds hard because it's hard to do in our own power and in our own strength, but there is help to do these things, right? There is help to, um, to do these things. Another um, definition of reconcile means to restore. Mm. You know, have you ever heard of couples and I and I've seen it. Oh, my gosh. I've 
I am so honored to be able to walk alongside some couples and, you know, their experiences, them bearing like the beautiful parts of their relationship, bearing the the maybe not so beautiful parts of their relationship. And to be able to walk alongside them in that journey to getting to a better, healthier, more beautiful place. And it's just such an honor when I can see and go through that journey with a couple and see the restoration, see it being made over again. And, but sometimes that restoration process or, you know, even at home, if a home is really old and you need to restore some things, sometimes you got to break some walls down. Sometimes you got to get those cobwebs out. And sometimes that process starts out not looking very pretty, but you can make it over again and make that marital house beautiful. Okay, family. So aren't these just, ah. I love all of these various different definitions of what it means to reconcile. And these are very powerful um, processes that we can get to. So now, you know, we have the definition and, I, you know, the definition, that's good. But it's kind of like, all right, now, Dr. Cassandra, now what are some of those practical steps, you know? And I really think kind of that place of resignation and resigning and letting go really stems from forgiveness. Now, I probably need to do a whole podcast, you know, on forgiveness. And I always say that, you know, forgiveness preserves the best version of you. I'll say that again, that forgiveness preserves the best version of you. And it always starts with a choice. And and one thing that I want to remind people about when you're in this reconciliation process, the reality is that there has been a hurt there. And you're nine times out of 10 trying to protect yourself. You may have a wall up. And if your partner is making gestures and being friendly, you may be a little hesitant to kind of welcome that with open arms. But my encouragement to you would be to embrace those very things that you've been hoping to get from them, but that you maybe haven't gotten from them in a long time and and try to um, take off, you know, the coat of your pain so that you can be warmed and comforted by their loving acts instead of the shield and uh, and the walls that you've put up to protect yourself. Okay. So, um, but, but, but yes, so I just wanted to kind of go into that. Now, before I go into the various different practical, um, ways that you can, um, Um, reconcile the nine different steps that you can go through. I also want to dig a little bit more deeply and think about it in respect to the biblical significance of, you know, reconciliation, you know, to be one over to friendliness, because at the end of the day, none of us are perfect, right? None of us are perfect. We've all done something. We we were all yet sinners, right? Christ died for us. But, you know, um, you know, and, and, And even in thinking about, you know, that reconciliation process, it's a, it's a faith walk. And, and, and you know how they say that we are all now ministers of reconciliation. I think that that starts in our homes. 
And and I'm just going to read this 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 scripture. And it says, um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man, and I want to put in parentheses, therefore, if any marriage be in Christ, it is a new creature or new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. And so, you know, a lot of times when there is the need for a reconciliation or things have happened in the past, sometimes it's hard for people to think that things will change. But just like someone whose life has changed and they were living a particular way that was maybe, you know, not the optimal way for them to live. And then they and then they meet their cre- the, the ultimate change maker. Right. And there they are a new creation. So the same can be true for one's marriage. It can really be made over again into a new creation. And starting from there, all things can become new. They really can. And um, also, too, this is the other part that I really want to talk about is that this process, we can sometimes try to do it in our own strength and fight, 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 fight. But we want to fight with some power, right? And not in a bad way, but we want to fight with the power of love. And, you know, to do that, we have to fight with the giver of love, the maker of love, you know, which is God. And he says that in all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. And so really, the reconciliation process in a marriage really starts with us taking those grievances, taking those things that have hurt us and going to the Father and and making sure that we are right and reconciled to him, all right? And then it says, reconciling us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us to the ministry of reconciliation. So since we've been made right, since we are now a friend of God, he has won us over (laughs) to friendliness. He has restored us and healed us and he has restored us and, and, and made us over again, right? And he has done all of these things. And now, since we've been comforted in those ways, since we've been healed in those ways, since we've been made over and restored and reconciled and been one to friendliness to God in those ways, we can give that and serve in the ministry of reconciliation in our marriage. Ah, so this ministry of reconciliation is not just for us to go out in the world, but it can start at home. Because like I said before, you know, when I opened up the set, um, the, the I was about to say the session, I'm either going to say session or class. So forgive me now for saying that. Cause <laughs> but, you know, I opened it up earlier and I said that just because you love the Lord doesn't mean that that makes you exempt from hard times. Um, or exempt from trouble in marriage. And so, but if we can be restored in him, if we can be healed in him, if we can be restored to friendliness in him, we can give that healing. We can give that restoration. We can give that friendliness in our marriages. And so, oh my gosh, isn't that encouraging? So now what are those nine steps? What are those nine steps? So It is actually an acronym for reconcile. You know me. I always create these little acronyms. So it's, you know, letter by letter for reconcile. 
And the first letter for the reconcile piece, very practical thing, is really in mindset and vision. Like remember, so the R stands for remember why God brought you together. And remember when you first got married, those feelings that you had, you knew and you knew and you knew. And and sometimes, let me go ahead and say this. Um, actually, I teach this in my psychology class is that, and you may say, oh, I don't know how pleasant my memories are of the beginning. Here's the thing is that our memories are reconstructive in nature. And I teach this in my psychology of love class. I mean, my site, um, my personal relationships class, such that the context or the well-being of the relationship currently even affects our memories. So if we're in a negative place in a relationship, sometimes we'll look back on things that have happened, even good things, with a, with a negative viewpoint. So I want you to kind of take off that negativity and look at it for the clarity because you guys got married for a reason and you were happy about it. And so remember that and not just that happiness was that was there, but remember the purpose. Because it's in operating in the purpose that's going to bring your marriage fulfillment, that's going to bring you joy when we're operating in that mission that's bigger than ourselves. Because the reality is that your marriage, it is bigger than you. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. So that's the very first step. Step number one. Remember why God brought you two together. All right. This is actually some of this is from my course, um, God Fixed My Marriage. I'll talk to you guys about that in just a moment. But anywho, the R is to remember why God brought you two together. And then E is to erase records of wrong, the power of forgiveness. And, you know, even in the very definition in the King James Version, you know, keeping no records of wrong, because when we stockpile those records, those things eat away at us. And what the research is showing is that it is the negative affect or the negative emotion that we hold on to in keeping those records of wrong, of of not forgiving things that actually eat away our emotional as well as physical health well-being. All right. So the University of Tennessee, they have a forgiveness lab and they have found that is the negative emotion that's the most corrosive to our emotional and physical well-being, making us more susceptible to pain, physical pain, making us more likely to even get sick or a cold. Oh, my gosh. It, it negatively impacts the stress response system. Oh, OK. So we want to let those things go. We want to reconcile. We we want to, you know, just let some of those things go. All right. And here's the thing. In letting things go, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a consequence for someone's actions, but we let that negative emotion that we're holding on to, we let that go. And really to forgive, it takes real faith to do so. And I, it's like, I trust God that he's going to handle it. I trust God that he's going to handle me. I trust God that he can heal me, that he can get us through this. Okay. And then, so that's the second step to erase those record of wrongs. And then C is to really utilize a Christ centered approach because 
this all this sounds really good, but when I'm in my feelings, I'm in my feelings. <laughs> but you know, how can you really utilize a Christ-centered approach, such as um, utilizing prayer, um, getting scriptures that can feed your soul and your spirit, and applying godly principles, not the oh, you go get them back, you type of principles, you know, but really godly principles that are going to help to keep you restored um, and healed. Uh, moving forward and then the o is for oneness and here's the thing the in like oneness is so powerful and that is definitely something that the enemy attacks because when when oneness is there it propels you both forward your fit your prayers get answered you know it's it's like if there's a solidarity there there is a oh my gosh and so oh and so I even uh, did a podcast on how it takes time to really gain a sense of oneness in marriage it takes really the research is showing it takes about honestly 10 to 14 years potentially to really develop a deep sense of oneness in marriage feel free to take a look at one of those earlier podcasts where i i dig a little bit more deeply into this concept but you know something that you have to work for <laughs> and be intentional about but but remember that you're one and you're on the same team and their hurts are honestly your hurts too all right the end the uh, one, two, three, four, fifth step in negativity removal. Oh my gosh. Because here's the thing, what we find in the research is that the negativity is weightier than positivity. And so we want to make a conscious effort to not engage negatively, whether that be through our tone, whether that be through our words, whether that be through interactions, whether that be through nonverbals, okay? Because I teach my students all the time, I always say that most of the communication is not from the words that come out of your mouth, it's through the nonverbals, it's through the tone, it's through the body language. And the, here, here's the thing about body language class is that, your body does not want to lie. So your body, nine times out of 10, is going to communicate the truth. Even when we think we have a poker face, there's something called micro expressions where those is gonna be little glimmers of what you really feel is going to come out. And so we want to remove that negativity because here, yet again, is, is the corrosive piece, is weightier. And the research also shows, some research from Dr. John Gottman, is that we actually want to have a ratio of five positive experiences to every negative experience because negative experiences are weightier. All right. All right. So that's the fifth step. Now, the sixth step is to consider your spouse's perspective. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard because it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, they don't get where I'm coming from. First of all, let, let them understand where I'm coming from. Right. And sometimes we're listening to respond. And other times we are just not quite listening, right? And so here's the beautiful thing about considering your partner's perspective is the fact that it is the doorway for closeness because it's going to help your spouse or your partner feel feel validated when you consider their perspective. And one of the easiest ways to to do that is to validate their feelings. And even though with their, their feelings may be totally different from yours, you may not agree to it and that's all right, you know, but if you go in and you say, I can understand how you feel that way, 
and maybe even apologize for, you know, you not having the intention of your behavior, maybe impacting their feelings. Oh my gosh, you have probably just softened their heart because they probably felt like they had to go into self-protection mode. And what you have done is you have helped them to take that wall down. And this is going to lead to connection which is exactly what we what we are looking for. And, you know, sometimes in, in, in therapy, I may have um, one, I may draw a W and I have the W facing one spouse and then the M facing the other spouse. And I say, well, who's right? They both are. Based on how they're looking at it, based on their perspective, one person sees a W, one person sees an M. And that's the thing is that you're not wrong for feeling a particular way. And when you can validate that, that's going to bring closeness. That's going to help bring amends. That's going to help us get to that spot of reconciliation. Very, very powerful piece. Okay, so the I, which is intimacy. Here's the thing is that when we're in that reconciliation restorative process, like to win over to friendliness, which is a def part of the definition of, of reconcile, you know, you have to be open to do that. And the thing about it is that with friends, there's a level of inner knowing and intimacy that's there that we don't have with other people. But a lot of times when we've been hurt, we close ourselves up. We close ourselves off. We shut down, we put that wall up and we, and we are protecting ourselves and we are in that self-protection mode. But really to reconcile and to heal, you have to open up. That intimacy piece, being vulnerable again. And I know it's scary, but you know this whole reconciliation process is really an act of faith. And we honestly can't put all of our faith marbles in our, part, in our spouse's basket. We really have to put all of our faith marbles in the God-sized basket, in the God basket, and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you to take care of me, take care of my heart, take care of my body, take care of everything, <laughs> you know, and, and you can open back up. Because sometimes when we are not, we'll close ourselves off even to the positive experiences, even to the positivity. And so we really want to get beyond that point and open ourselves back up to that self-disclosure, to that intimacy and being, being emotionally close again. <laughs> and then the L stands for letting go. And it's so important to, because a lot of times when you're scared or you're upset, it's like you're clenching your fist, but you got to let that thing go to open up. And, you know, let go of the negative memories, let go of the account that you're still storing of everything on their file that they that they've done against you. Like, let those things go. And I think it's actually, you know how people say that time heals all wounds. That's not true. It just really isn't because sometimes through extended periods of time, some people are nursing those wounds or they are nursing those hurts and they are taking care of them like a baby. And then those hurts grow. And instead of being a baby, it grows into a full blown man. All right. With a lot of strength and a lot of power. So we have to consciously work to let those things go, let those negative memories go um, and really kind of, you know, lead those thoughts captive. 
and really embrace the healing restoration process. And then the last piece of this amazing nine-step process is to embrace. So now you've let go of the baggage. You've let go of the things that are holding you back. You've disarmed yourselves. You put your guns down. Hopefully not real guns, but you know, you put your emotional guns down, right? And, and now you can embrace. You can pursue each other. You can pursue that positivity again. Right. And so that can be extremely, extremely powerful. So just as a recap, the nine steps for reconciliation comes from the reconcile acronym R. Remember why God brought you two together. E, erase records of wrong. C, have that Christ centered approach. You can't do this thing by yourself. You need a lot of prayer, a lot of word. Um, O is for oneness. We're on the same team. Unity. Something that's a blessing that flows when we can operate in that unity. N is for the negativity removal. C, consider your spouse's perspective. Put in that powerful piece of empathy. Um, I, intimacy. L, letting go. And I say, let go and let God. (laughs) And then E, embrace. So those are those nine steps. Now, you know, I always say that love, you know, love gives sometimes when the situation is not the most favorable. I love how like the K, the KJV version says charity and think about a charity. A charity is something that you're giving to because the people on the other side are not in a favorable situation. You're giving money because they probably don't have much money. You're giving clothes because maybe they don't have clothes. And so sometimes we have to be the one to give the love because we may be rich in it. And maybe our partners may be a little, maybe they need some of our richness in an area. And I know sometimes we're looking for our partners to be a certain way. And sometimes we're honestly looking for them to be a little bit more like us. But we are rich in us. We are rich in the resources that we provide to the relationship. Give from your richness and abundance. And hopefully your spouse will be able to give in the other areas of their richness and abundance in areas in which you may not have a lot in. Oh my gosh. And when we're both giving in those from those places, ooh, it's going to be an overflow. It's going to be in abundance. Okay. So I definitely hope that this was so helpful. And if you want to dig a little bit more deeply, I just recommend, I have a course on it. I have the steps for forgiveness. I have prayers. I have fasting plan. I talk about the positive feedback loop, how to, you know, get out of those cycles. And it's not even really that long. It's only a four module course, but it's packed with power and it's called God Fix My Marriage. (laughs) And if you need a little bit more help than what was provided today, I hope all of this was extremely helpful. But if you need some more homework, I would encourage you to go to marriagenextlevel.com. Take a look at that curriculum. 
I know it has something in there that's going to be very, very powerful and transformational for your reconciliation process. Well, you know I love you guys. I thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Marriage Professors Podcast. And I'm really excited for what we have in store for the podcast series um, coming up. And you guys take wonderful care. Signing off. Bye-bye. Thank you.